We have been looking at a series since the beginning of uh, the year on pressing on. Pressing on in 2015. All right. Philippians chapter 3. We've learned that when Paul says that he's pressing on, that means that he is actively engaged in the pursuit of godliness. We've learned that sanctification is not, you know, a let go and let God thing. We, we have to be engaged. We have to make decisions. We have to be proactive. We have to exert Holy Spirit inspired, empowered energy in our pursuit of godliness. That's what it means to press on. Okay, so Philippians chapter three, the verses we've been focusing on uh, this month, starting in verse 12, verse 12, Philippians three, not that I have already obtained all this. Okay, the apostle Paul is saying, I want to know Christ, right? He starts off, hey, I'm not perfect. None of us are not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What is that? Ultimately being conformed to the image of Christ. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time of worship so far and as now. We turn our attention to your word. Help us to uh, hear clearly what it means to press on, what it means to be actively engaged in the pursuit of godliness. And Lord, specifically today, uh, help us to understand what it means when Paul says to forget what is behind. Uh, So many of us in our lives uh, are anchored with things of the past. And help us, Lord, this day to experience true liberty, the liberty that comes by being in Christ and being new creations. So we love you. We thank you for your word and ask you now that we wouldn't just be hearers, but then ultimately doers as we leave later. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we talked about this idea of forgetting the past. And I gave you a couple of illustrations, right? I had a golf club up here for those golfers, right? You swing, you hit a a bad or a good shot. What is the one thing a golfer needs to do in preparation to hit the next shot? Dale, what is the key thing a golfer needs to do? Forget about the last one. That that includes a bad one and a good one. See, in our life, we can't hang on to just the good stuff because sometimes that affects our pressing on. We become complacent. We become apathetic. In fact, if you cling to all the good stuff, you can become self-righteous and even caught up in perfectionism because Dale, right? You hit boom, the drive of a life. And you're so focused on how good that was. If you don't forget that, what happens when you come to your next shot? You got to match that. So even when you succeed, if you're not careful and you're living on your successes, your successes can create more pressure, right? Same thing. You hit one into the trees and you're beating yourself up, if you can't forget that, that negative bad thing can affect you. So both of them. We have to be able to develop this habit to live in the present. We can learn from the past. We can celebrate the past. But if we're not careful, many of us, even in our Christianity, we're not fully present and we're not pressing on. 
right? We rehearse and we rehearse and we rehearse. And I, and another illustration I shared with you uh, last week was driving with your rearview mirror. Is the rearview mirror helpful? Yes, right? But what would happen after church if you tried to get home only looking at your rearview mirror? You may not get out of the parking lot, right? But many of us, as we say that we're pursuing Christ, spiritually, we're stuck in the rearview mirror. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, you idiot. Oh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Oh, man. Ah! Right? I mean... Right? And, and we talked about this, this, this struggle we have, right? You see Jesus and you say, come on, press on. And, and we're running this race and there's a finish line. But you're clinging, you're clinging tenaciously to the past. And you have this tension. You're like, oh, I want to let go. I want to let go. I want to let go. And you might even let go for a little bit. Then you come back. Right? And, and Paul is saying, you know what? I'm running a race. I got to be focused. I got to be focused on Jesus on the finish line. I have to develop and I'm forgetting what is behind. And that's what we're focused on. Last week I showed you a little video clip of some famous failures, right? And I want to show you another clip just to kind of set the tone for, for you and for me. What do we do with the stuff that's behind and, and the failures that many of us uh, have experienced and, and now have to make a choice what to do with them? Okay, go ahead, Shiloh. Let's 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 watch this. Rejected by the USC Film School three times. Turned down by twenty-seven different publishers. lazy and good for nothing by his own father. Parents and teachers worried he was mentally handicapped because he didn't speak until he was four and didn't read until he was seven. Failed to land a role when trying to break into film because the director said, she was too ugly. After his first performance, he was told, You ain't going nowhere, son. You want to go back to driving a truck. Mostly ignored in a lifetime, only a few over almost 1,800 completed works were ever published. He did poorly in school. He stuttered and spoke with a lisp, and his parents all but ignored him, regarding him as a disappointment, a boy of low intelligence. If you've never failed, you've never lived. All right, Philippians 3. Let's read that again. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus take hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize 
for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that video because now, in retrospect, we can see that they turned out pretty good. But wonder how they were feeling in the middle of all those failures. I wonder how they were feeling in, in the middle of all that criticism. I wonder how they were feeling in the middle of all that discouragement. Right? And, and, and our hope as, as believers is we know that God is faithful to complete that which he has begun in us. We know that one day we're going to have glorified bodies, right? So, so we know in a sense that, that even though we're struggling now, this isn't it. We don't have to choose to be stuck, right? We have, we have to pursue Christ. There, there is this, what we talked about, right? God works in us to will and to do. So God is working in us to change our desires and he's working in us to empower us to become more and more Christ-like, right? So it is a process. But, but this idea of, of what do we do with our past? What do we do with our past? Okay, and so in your notes there, I put a couple of, a definition and a couple of, of points. Forgetting is a continual pattern. It's a spirit-empowered choice to not allow the past to impede progress in spiritual growth. Okay, it's a choice we make. Now, it says there, forgetting does not mean erasing your memory. That's not what Paul is saying. He's not, we're not talking like obliterate your memory, stick your head in the sand, pretend it never happened. That is not what he's talking about. He's talking about a choice. When he says forgetting what is behind, it is a choice to not let the past be an anchor. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting what is behind in the sense that it's no longer going to stifle my forward progress. It's no longer going to be a shackle on my leg, preventing me from pressing on, right? In fact, you don't have to turn there for, for sake of time. Psalm 77:11 I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will re- remember your miracles of long ago. All right? So we remember the blessings of God, okay? It's not like we don't have any memories, right? I love Ephesians 2:11 and 13. He says this. Therefore, he's talking to Christians. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, right? Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise. So Paul is saying, hey, believers, it's okay. Remember that at one time you weren't saved. Right? So Psalm 77, hey, remember the good stuff. Remember the blessings of God. Ephesians 2, it's okay. Remember that at one time you were separated from Christ. So forgetting does not mean living in denial. Forgetting does not mean erasing it. Right? In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15:9, the Apostle Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, and then do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. He remembers what he used to do. He remembers what he used to do. Okay? It also means this. Turn to Luke 19. It, I mean, forgetting also doesn't mean this. So Luke, Luke 19. So it's not that we erase our memories, obliterate our memories. That's not what forgetting is. In Luke 19, forgetting, right, it doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with the consequences of our past decisions either. Okay? When you forget the past and you choose to move on, here's the deal. You still may have to deal with it. And you still may have responsibilities because of your choices in the past, okay? I actually know some Christians. It's like, uh, you know, somehow they got this idea that, well, I'm a Christian now. Everything in the past, I don't even have to deal with it anymore. 
What's done is done. That's not really biblical. Okay, and how do you know that? Look at 19, Luke 19, story of Zacchaeus, chief tax collector, right? 19.1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, where the Son of Man came to seek and save that what was lost save what was lost so Zacchaeus gets saved he puts his faith in Christ there's repentance and out of that repentance there's restitution if I've cheated anyone I gotta make it right I gotta make it right right I put there in your notes there might be rest, there might be reconciliation you know what? You may have made some poor choices in the past and now you've repented and you've made, made it right with God. You might have even confessed and received His forgiveness. But you know what? God may, seal, may, may need you. You may need to go fulfill responsibilities based on those decisions. Okay? We celebrate that you're a new creation in Christ and all that. But forgetting what is behind doesn't mean you don't try to make it right. It doesn't mean you don't make restitution or you attempt reconciliation or you fulfill responsibilities that you took, even if it was not the wisest choices at that moment in time. But now you've gotten clarity. Now God has opened your eyes. Now you have a biblical perspective on stewardship. Now you have a biblical perspective on forgiveness. Now you have a biblical perspective on just your work ethic, whatever it is. So when you decide, I'm going to press on, and I'm, I'm going to not allow my past to be a shackle. Part of that pressing on may be making it right. As best as you can. So what? Then you're free of that. Then you're free. As you make it right, as best as you can, what happens? The freedom comes to you. Because this way in your covenant relationship with God, your heart is right. Your heart is right. I don't know about you, but with me, I want to press on that sometimes God's like, hey, pastor, what about that thing you keep putting off? Oh, I'm too busy doing church stuff, God. I don't have time to go make that right. And push it up. Push it up. Ah, you go down a little farther. Great progress, Lord. Hey, pastor, what about that person you need to call? Ah, but that was like 10 years ago. That was like five years ago. I'm sure they forgot. I'm sure they forgot. Right? So, there may be, as you choose to forget what is behind, there may be a need for you to go back to the best of your ability to make it right, to bring restitution, reconciliation, fulfill responsibilities. And in the doing of that, it doesn't mean you're shackled to it. In the doing of that, you're actually pressing on. You see? The doing of that is part of your pressing on. Some of us get stuck because we, our hearts are hard. No, 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 no. When you go no, you're the one that gets stuck. 
You're the one that gets stuck. And in the opening up of your heart and the softening of your heart and working through that, you grow. And you're pressing on as you make the past right. Okay? So that's what that is, right? So then we go, what does that mean? How do we do this? Well, we're going to have to settle this issue for some of us. You're going to have to settle the issue of forgetting what is behind. Go all the way back to what I call your B.C. days. Your before Christ days. Because some of us as believers, we're still shackled and stuck with who we are, who we were. All right, I've shared with you before, I have a hard time. One of the reasons I have a hard time when I get invited to our high school reunions is because everyone at the high school reunion knew me in high school. You're a what? You're a what now? You're a pastor? I remember... Right? Right? I, I got a call out of the blue a few years ago from my college roommate before I was a Christian, and he tracked me down, and we were going to go to law school together. He went to San Francisco Law School. I went to San Diego Law School. And he tracked me down, and he pursued the law career. And, you know, we were in college together, uh, roomed in an apartment together. So he knew me. And he called me out of the blue, tracked me down, had his secretary track me down. And we had this conversation. <laughs> He's like, so I hear what you're doing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> Go figure, right? <laughs> right? At a certain point, we have to start with, are we free? Have we dealt with who we were even before we came to know Christ? Because there's an accuser out there. There's a devil that wants to, for some, some reason, he just brings that up. <laughs> Or, you know, like I said, you go somewhere and, you know, sometimes when I go to San Diego, you know, I kind of hold my breath. I'm like, who am I going to run into now? You know, like, yeah, no, I'm a pastor. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to make peace with that. How do you make peace with, with who you were before you came to Christ? That, that's kind of the first step we're going to look at, right? And a great example is the Apostle Paul. We celebrate the Apostle Paul. He, he wrote so much in the New Testament. We look at his example, but boy, do we forget who the Apostle Paul was before he came to know Christ. And think about that for a second. What did the Apostle Paul, at some point, he had to make a choice, several choices repeatedly to make peace and forget his past. Right? And if you're not clear about who the Apostle Paul was when he was Saul, let's look at Acts. Let's look at some verses in Acts. Before the Apostle Paul became Paul, he was Saul. Right? So let's look at Acts 7. Acts 7. You're familiar with the, the, when Stephen was stoned to death. Right? Stephen gives this great testimony. And, and, and they throw these huge boulders on his head and they kill him. Right? Acts 7. Let's look at the end of Acts 7. Let's look at verse 59. Acts 7:59. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. 8-1. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Okay, remember, we're talking about the Apostle Paul who is Saul right now. Okay, so they kill Stephen. Boom! Big rocks on his head. Saul is like, thumbs up. Give approval to that. Look at verse 3. 
chapter 8. But Saul began to what? Destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. This is Paul. This is Saul. This is the guy we all thumbs up and love to read and recite and memorize. This is what he was doing. He was showing up at your house. He would show up. Come. Come. In fact, we don't have time, but in those you know, Acts 22 and 26, he says, hey, man, I was giving you guys a chance to recant. He would take people out. Hey, man, you had a chance to recant. You know, recant Jesus. Just, just turn your back on Christ. You'll be fine. If you don't, off you go. This was Saul destroying the church. Going to your house, my house, putting all of us in prison. Right? This is what this is this guy. Right? This is this guy. Acts nine, you you know the story, right? He's on the road to Damascus, right? Look at verse uh, uh let's start in verse one. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, right? He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's us, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem, right? So Paul's on his mission again. On the road to Damascus, who does he meet? Right? He has this supernatural encounter with Jesus, and he says, Hey, Paul, hey, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? Saul, Saul. And through that, He's converted. He's converted. So, in one instance, Saul was persecuting, destroying, imprisoning Christians. In the next instant, he comes and has an encounter with Jesus and says, Hey, man, i got a plan for your life. In fact, you're going to help build my kingdom now. At the human level, Saul had to make some serious decisions about his past. Guilt, shame, dealing with people who weren't thrilled and didn't even believe that he had become a believer. Some of us, when you became a Christian, your old friends, "Ah, I don't believe that. Yeah, right, Bill. Right? So Saul has to make some decisions about his past in order to keep pressing on. Right? And how does he do that? Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. He's very honest about it. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 9. This is what Paul says. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Look at His honesty. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Here's the deal. If you need to settle your past before you, need to, you, you, you knew Jesus, right? You know, what you'd be, you know what you need to be able to say? By the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen? Right? By the grace of God. What is grace? Look at there. We spent all a whole lot of months last year. Grace is God's unmerited, undeserved favor shown to people who are totally undeserving of it. Who here was undeserving of grace? All of us. 
Right? Undeserving. Zero. 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 None of us deserve God's grace. Right? I put justice as getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. All of us. If you're a Christian, if you profess Christ this morning, it has nothing to do with anything you did to earn it. I don't care if you're a pastor's kid. I don't care if you're a missionary. I don't know. It doesn't matter. All has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's God's grace. And you're not going to be able to explain that. You know, if, if, if some high school friend of mine comes up and says, Dude, what do you mean you're a pastor? Come on, man. You remember when we used to on Friday nights after football games? You know what I, the only thing I could tell them? Dude, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Isn't that great? That's all you can say. See, and when you say that, who gets the glory? To God be the glory. Amen. When you say that and you embrace that, you don't have to go into long term paper, research paper about how you were. And you just need to say, hey, dude, yeah, you're right. I was a heathen. Friday nights we were doing our thing. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen? And that doesn't apply to me as a pastor. That applies to you as a Christian. Nobody in here deserves to be a Christian. You get that? If you're a Christian, it's all by grace. So you walk around Ojai Valley and you say, hey man, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's the liberty. That's the freedom. That's where it comes from, right? How many of you are, 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 are absolutely sure that Jesus was sacrificed for your sins? You believe that wholeheartedly, right? Right? The Lamb of God, right? Well, there's a story... That, that helps us to understand what God does with our sin, right? Because the question is, what does God do with our sin when we become a Christian? He remembers it no more. He throws it in the sea, right? See, many of us as Christians, we've settled the part of sacrifice. But many of us have not settled the part of what I call separation. Meaning, I need to do with my past sins what God did with them. Amen? Not only was Jesus sacrificed, but through that sacrifice, there was separation. There was separation. You guys are right. I'm just going to re- read these verses, and I want you to go home. And this week, some of you, you've got you to memorize these. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Psalm 103 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. God doesn't forget. As in, oh, hmm, no. He chooses to remember your sin no more. At the human level, I don't really get that. I've tried all week to get that because I remember my sins pretty clearly. And in fact, I remember yours pretty darn good too, Bill. (laughs) Right? But God remembers our sin, what? No more. So let me ask you this. If he remembers your sin no more, when he looks at you, what does his face look like? 
Is he smiling? Is he stoic? Is he mad when he looks at you right now this very second? He's happy. Many of us think that God's just waiting for you to mess up. Because Ernie, I remember all your stuff, Ernie. And you do it one more time. Lightning. Right? He remembers it no more. What? But my friend remember reminds me all the time. God remembers your sin no more. You have to believe that by faith on the authority of Scripture, and then you need to start living with Him with the fact that He likes you. He genuinely likes you and loves you because He remembers your sin no more. How many have ever wanted a fresh start? How many, let's be honest, how many have said, I want to go find a little town in the Midwest where nobody knows me, Nobody knows my past. Nobody knows anything about me. I'm going to move there and everyone's just going to like me for me with what they get. No baggage. Anyone? Everyone ever do the no baggage move? Fresh start. Wipe the slate clean. When you put your faith in Jesus, your slate was wiped clean in God's eyes. By the grace of God, I am what I am. There's a wonderful picture of this in Leviticus. Leviticus 16, Day of Atonement. The high priest, part of it, and we're going to look at this more next week. The high priest, as a sin offering, they take two goats. One offering, two goats. They, they cast lots. One goat is sacrificed. Okay? The blood is sprinkled around the temple, Holy of Holies. The other goat, the high priest, puts his hands on him, and lays the sin of the people on the scapegoat. And the goat is taken away from the city with all the sins of the people into the wilderness, gone. Isaiah 53, 6 says, Our iniquities have been laid on him. See, we get the sacrificed goat. But some of us this morning and this week, you need to remember that your sin was put on the scapegoat. Jesus was willingly. He took on our sin. And it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. You like that? It's gone. Right? It's gone. There's sacrifice and there's separation. And then you say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, because I put my faith in Jesus and his atoning sacrifice, he paid the penalty I could never pay. Okay, I get that. But check this out. He's like the scapegoat. All my stuff was put on him so that I could be clothed in his righteousness. My sin is remembered no more. And I sit here clothed in the righteousness of Christ by the grace of God. I am what I am. And so, when you're going to choose to press on and all your stuff from your B.C. days comes rearing its head, no! No! On the authority of Scripture, that is remembered no more. Amen? 
on the authority of Scripture, you are a new creation. And that verse, therefore, if anyone was in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, behold, all things have become new. You know what that word new is? Never before existed. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. It's not a renovated. Scott, you didn't get renovated. The old Scott is completely gone. In Christ, you are brand new. How is that? Because your sins are remembered no more. You are a new creation in Christ. And so on the authority of Scripture, I just want to encourage you as we close and take communion, when your past, before you know Jesus, rears its head, when the accuser comes, and when even people from your past come, and when even you start to say, oh, but, man, but, but, what you need to do is you need to go to Scripture. And you need to say, by the grace of God. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. can only imagine the Apostle Paul having to make peace with you, with his past. And at the very core, all he could say, is by the grace of God, I am what I am. Thank you as we prepare for communion and hold these cups that we are reminded not just of your sacrifice, Jesus, but also of separation. That you remember my sins no more. That as far as the east is from the west, you have removed my transgressions from me. And in that, I thank you that I am a new creation. Never existed before. And in that, I am free. I am free. Free in Christ. Free to press on. Free to even make things right in the past. In the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we hold communion this morning, we celebrate our freedom. Our freedom in Christ. By the grace of God. I am what I am.